let's just recap and take a look at where we've been. The hellish 1976 and 1977 year for the Detroit area ended in several child killings, only three of which were solved. Judy Farrow, Cynthia Kaju, Sheila Schrock. Last episode, you guys got a look into how that affected the community, how that had cast a pall over really everything that was done after, even to someone like me, who was born 20 years after Tim King was killed. It's really shocking what this did to the community, and it's kind of shocking in my mind that this podcast, so far, we haven't gone into police leads, we haven't gone into suspects, we haven't gone into any of that, because as far as we know, there are no leads, there are no suspects, there is no evidence, these bodies were scrubbed clean, that's what we've been told. What if what we were told all along was a lie? I'm Eddie White. This is the Forever Children of Oakland County, and after many painstaking years of waiting, perhaps the answer of the Oakland County child killer is within reach. It's 1999, and police are wheels up to a place called Recluse, Wyoming, to dig up a body to match it for DNA found on the bodies of the Oakland County child killer victims. How did we get here? We heard all through the 70s. No evidence, nothing on the bodies, bodies scrubbed clean. That's what we heard. That's what we were led to believe. And now suddenly we're going to Wyoming to test for DNA and exhume a body? How did we get here? And what else are the police not telling us, right? That's what I'm wondering. But it doesn't really seem like the news is wondering that. In the Detroit Free Press, September 1st, 1999, there's an article about the exhumation of the bodies exhuming performed in 70s case result may end hunt and killings that's the article with the uh subtitle there and it's just about i mean i think it's good reporting from hugh mcdarmid jr here uh he was on nina's podcast and i believe he unfortunately passed away uh in the interim between this podcast and hers so look i think it's good reporting uh given what we have here but i would like to see maybe from someone else or or from hugh you know at this time where's the piece that's critical of police because they told us all these things back in the 70s. Now we're finding out some of that information materially is false. So what else is false? What else do we have here? We'll get into it. But for now, police are going to exhume David Norberg in connection with the Oakland County child killings. Now, who is David Norberg? What's his deal? And why are police at least decently sure to fund an expedition out there to go dig up his body? Daniel Norberg's a Warren auto worker at the time of the killings. Now, Warren is in Macomb County. I actually thought it was in Wayne County or maybe Oakland County. It's pretty much right on the border. It's got proximity to Detroit. It's got proximity to Wayne County. So location-wise, he checks the boxes. But then again, so do so many other people. So what have we, what do they got on Norberg here? Well, in an article in the Detroit Free Press in a kind of a recap in 2005, they say, quote, Police suspected Norberg because they said he had a history of making sexual advances toward children and was fingered by tipsters. After his death, a silver cross inscribed with Christine, right, so think about Christine Mihalik here, was found among his belongings. A relative of Christine Mihalik, one of the four slain children, identified the cross as having belonged to her. So if you're looking at this, man, that's... That's not, that seems pretty good there. I mean, you're talking about a guy. He's actually suspected in another killing of a youth during this time. So he's suspected uh, in that, in another killing. 
And he also, I mean, he's got this cross with Christine spelled the way Christine Mihalik spells her name. We've got uh, someone identifying that cross as having belonged to Christine. And, okay, the killings stop, of course, after the murder of Timothy King. Well, Dave Norberg moved to Wyoming in 1980, so, of course, not right after Tim King was murdered, but soon after. And then a year later, in 1981, he dies in a car accident. So timeline-wise, we're kind of maybe putting something together here. The tipsters say this could have been the guy. We're talking about sexual advances towards children. Uh, we'll get into a little bit more specifics there. But essentially, there's all sorts of pedophilia going on in the 70s. Norberg uh, certainly adjacent or involved in those kinds of things. So look, I mean, it's looking pretty good here. And they're looking to exhume the body, extract some DNA, and compare it to hair found on Timothy King. There's a good article, September 1st, 1999, in the Detroit Free Press by Hugh McDermott Jr. Uh, exhuming performed in 70s case, results may end hunt in killings. That's the article title. And we've got some quotes here that I think are pretty interesting. So, um, quote, if it matches, case closed. If it doesn't, we keep plugging away, said Berkeley Detective Sergeant Ray Anger, who's been pursuing Norberg as a suspect for more than 10 years. Anger hopes DNA in, in the remains will match that of a strand of hair found on the body of Timothy King, the killer's fourth and final victim. And then it goes on to explain DNA, what it is, but if you don't know, here's a good synopsis of DNA. So DNA, a genetic code found in cells that are unique to each human being, can be analyzed in blood, bone, semen, saliva, skin, and hair, and can survive for an indefinite amount of time. Uh, 23 years ago, DNA was science fiction to anger a young patrolman. So you're talking about anger, man. This guy's got significant investment in the case. He even goes on to say, quote, anger said he couldn't retire without going through Tuesday's exhumation. So a police officer who was around and responded and investigated originally 23 years ago um, because his kid was still in school in 1977, and his kid was a classmate of Christine Mihalik. So you're talking about a guy who took this personally, who investigated for years, and is really buying into the fact that Norberg potentially is this guy, and he won't even retire until he at least sees this one through. So you've got at least here a policeman, you know, haunted by the case, trying to get this thing across the finish line, trying to get this thing solved, and he is trying to, you know, pass the baton, sprint this thing, over the finish line and find out who the Oakland County child killer is. But at the same point, we've got victims' families who for years have been waiting and hoping and maybe a suspect emerges here but not a suspect for long. You know, there's no real serious leads up to this point. And they catch up with Barry King here, quote, If they can confirm it's him, great, King said last week, politely closing the front door on another reporter asking familiar questions. If not, what are you going to do? The case against Nordberg is maybe one looking kind of strong here. We've got, of course, that cross with Christine on it. Uh, Anger certainly believes the timeline lines up. He, he's got pedophile sort of uh, sexual impropriety connections. And then during the investigation back in the 70s, police say uh, the tipsters pointed him out, uh, but the detectives cleared him based on alibis from his wife. And his wife later recanted and said that she believed her dead husband committed the slayings. So things are looking potentially pretty good here. Uh, but if I remember correctly, Hugh McDermott, who wrote that article I quoted in 1999, uh, ended up saying kind of to the effect of, the police, hey, look, they're going to pursue this lead. This could be the guy. But it doesn't sound like all of them are really convinced that Norberg 
is the guy, and their suspicions maybe are confirmed here in November 29th, 2000. The Times-Herald in Port Huron publishes an article uh, that says, quote, and this is really all we need to know with the title, DNA doesn't link suspect to child killings. So Nordberg, man, shady dude, not a good dude, but the DNA doesn't line up, and it sure seems like Nordberg, despite all these connections, uh, maybe to the case, circumstantial, and nothing ties Nordberg to the case. So police, they have to go back to the drawing board and resume searching for suspects. Remember how I said that Tim King's body found on the side of 8 Mile in Wayne County and in Livonia, rather than on the other side of 8 Mile and in Oakland County, how that was going to have a big impact in the case? Well, here we go. A big impact in the case. You were looking for it? We got it. Detective Corey Williams of the Livonia Police Department is working the case of Exavor Giller, a cab company owner who was murdered in Livonia in his home. During Detective Williams' investigation into the murder of Exavor Giller, he narrows in on this guy Richard Lawson. Richard Lawson's a known pedophile from Detroit. He's got a rap sheet a mile long, but he also worked for Exavor Giller's cab company. And so he's convinced that he did this killing, this killing of Exavor Giller, and he's looking for evidence, and he's reading transcripts, he's reading interrogations, kind of the paper trail that a guy who's arrested as often as Lawson has. Quote, during, this is a quote from Marnie Rich Keenan's book, The Snow Killings. Quote, during Lawson's interrogation with Dormont detectives where he was arrested for robbery just after the export uh, Giller killings, by the way, uh, Lawson tried to strike a plea deal. He said he had firsthand information about the Michigan snow killings. Williams froze. He read it again. Snow killings. The small town Pennsylvania detectives had no idea what Lawson was talking about, but for Williams, the words jumped off the page. Since the murders had occurred in winter, many had dubbed the Oakland County child killings the snow killings. It was as if the gauntlet had been thrown. Here was an informant in the maddening hunt for the Oakland County child killer who had never been tapped. Not only was Williams confident Richard Lawson had killed Exavor Giller, he also knew he could be staring at a huge break in the cold case of his father's era, the bane of many investigators who hoped solving it would be their crowning achievement. So long story short, Detective Williams does pin the murder of Exavor Giller on Richard Lawson, and so now he's got the leverage that he needs over him to get information out of him in regards to the Oakland County child killings, right? Lawson has something that they want to know about, so hey, maybe we lessen your sentence a little sort of thing. He brings Lawson in and he said, okay, you know, where's that information? You had that information. And now Lawson, he backtracks, he said, hang on, I didn't say that. I didn't say I know who did the Oakland County child killings. I said I might know. Now we've got to understand who the heck Richard Lawson is and what he might know about the Oakland County child killer. He's a known pedophile in Detroit, and he kind of has this dubious distinction during the time he's a police informant for the Detroit police. So I know police works different back then, but you're talking about a dude you know is out there raping children, abusing children, I mean just having his way with children, and you're letting him roam the streets to be a police informant instead of putting him behind bars where he belongs. Regardless of that crazy oversight, Lawson told Williams about two of his buddies, Bob Moore, Bad Eye Bob as he's known, and if you look up his mugshot, you'll see why, and then... This other guy, Ted Orr, he thinks he's called, but he thinks that's an alias. He thinks his last name might start with L-A-M or something, but, but Ted Orr. So, all right, that's something to go on. We've got Bob Moore, Bad Eye Bob, as he's known. And so 
he is a known, at the time, child pornography filmmaker who would give films to Francis Sheldon and North Fox Island for distribution. So now we've got something. We've got a connection there. We've got something going on. And let me tell you a little bit about this Bob Moore guy, okay? And I'll quote from the Snow Killings here. An interview with one of Bob Moore's victims confirmed this, this being that Lawson told Williams that he and others were prostituting children to rich auto executives in the suburbs in the 70s. So that's what we're talking about here. So a victim with Alan McCoy, 13 at the time, confirmed this. McCoy would provide sex in exchange for money or food. He also allowed Moore to prostitute him. McCoy told Williams that Moore would drive him to rich people's houses who wanted a young boy. Moore took McCoy to homes in Waterford, Sylvan Lake, and Bloomfield Hills, all suburbs in Oakland County. Afterwards, Moore would be paid. Then he would take Alan to McDonald's and give him 40 bucks. Who knows how much Moore was being paid, Williams remembered. Probably hundreds. I interviewed Alan McCoy in my car, and he broke down crying, telling me the entire story of his life. It's a very sad story. Two months later, his girlfriend called me. She said, I'm calling you because Alan liked you. Then she said, I found him hanging in the garage yesterday. I got emotional after that segment and had to stop. I mean, if that doesn't shake your soul, then I think you need to get that ticker checked. So, in any case, he's researching this ring with Lawson, with Bob Moore, and maybe he's going to find this other guy. Bob Moore's dead at the time, but he's trying to find out, kind of put these pieces together. So he's dead in 1996, and of course, when Williams is investigating this, it's later. So he puts together this ring of pedophiles, right? We had the North Fox Island child pedophile ring, of which there's a connection here. And then there's this pedophile ring in the 70s. So is this a case? Well, this is another chilling quote from the snow killing. Those being serviced by the ring included local politicians, labor leaders, auto executives, and one now-retired United States senator from the, the Detroit area. Other participants in the ring included a professor for a Catholic liberal arts college in Detroit, a former pastor of the Cass United Methodist Church, the owner of a successful construction roofing company, and a youth community organizer. Sickening, especially in the, in the cases where you have people who are built, Ill, built into positions that have kids' trust, and they exploit it. There's some straight-up bad police work in this case that I'm going to talk about going forward, but you can't fault Corey Williams and his investigation. At one point, he goes to Richard Lawson's girlfriend at the time and asks her what kind of food she liked making to see if she could tie that to the fried chicken they found inside Timothy King. I mean, absolutely impeccable in terms of the attention to detail. Attention to detail that we were lacking back in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. Detective Williams' investigation leads to so many people testifying in court and long overdue justice for so many victims of child sex and child prostitution rings. But he also is looking for the Oakland County child killer. He finally puts it together when he finds out who this Ted Orr guy is because Lawson said, hey, maybe it's this Ted L.A.M. I think that's his last name. He finds him, Theodore Lamborghini, now living in Ohio, alive and well, and maybe, just maybe, someone who will talk to the police. Maybe they finally got the Oakland County child killer. Now, it's important to note right around this time, too, the task force, the Oakland County Child Killer Task Force in 2005, is reestablished to try and find the Oakland County child killer. In this podcaster's estimation, much due to the efforts of the Livonia Police Department and Detective Corey Williams. 
Marnie Rich Keenan's book is a great authoritative source here. Quote, on August 24th, 2005, Lamborghini left his apartment in his shiny new burgundy Ford pickup. Parma Heights Police Sergeant Wayne Mockler followed, put on his flashers, and pulled him over. Mockler told Ted detectives from Michigan were in town and wanted to talk to him. Ted sighed and said, quote, I knew my past would catch up to me. Lamborghini, when the police get to him, readily admits to child involvement, child sexual involvement with uh, the likes of Bad Eye Bob and Richard Lawson, but when questioned about the Oakland County child killings, he vehemently denies all involvement, and he's so denying all involvement that he's willing to take a polygraph. Now, I've talked a little bit about polygraphs before, but they're not admissible in court. I think that they are perhaps a valuable guiding post at times in the right circumstances, but polygraphs, of course, are not admissible evidence. It's not a, a cure-all. It's not definitively guilt or innocence. However, when Ted Lamborghini takes this polygraph about the Oakland County child killer, he fails spectacularly. I mean, this is a spectacular failure. This isn't a, oh, the results were inconclusive sort of situation. Ted Lamborghini fails the Oakland County child killer polygraph spectacularly. The guy fails so definitively that they cut the polygraph short, bringing Corey Williams, and they're like, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure this is your dude. Like, this... This dude is, he can't answer these questions. And so perhaps this is finally the Oakland County child killer. Everyone that they, at least at this point, as we know, will get into this later because this is not true. And there is something hiding deep. But at this time, everyone polygraphed about the Oakland County child killer, as far as Detective Williams knows, passed polygraph tests. Lamborghini is the first one ever who has failed a polygraph. Williams presses Lamborghini, knowing that he has somewhat of an advantage now, and he says, Ted, you killed those kids. You know it. You killed those kids. To which Lamborghini responds, God has forgiven me. Let's take a step back and just marvel at that. Wow. After so long in this case, seemingly every door, you know, every stone overturned, every door opened, all the polygraphs, supposedly, passed, and here we are, Ted Lamborghini, you killed those kids. To which he responds, of course, God has forgiven me. Is this your guy? After all these years, after all this torment, have we finally found the Oakland County child killer? Well, you know, Ted shuts down pretty, uh, pretty rightfully so for him, I suppose, after saying that. And so Detective Williams, he's got to go out and find victims of Ted Lamborghini and kind of put together who this guy was and what he did. The timeline certainly lines up. Ted Lamborghini moved out of the Detroit area in 1978, right after the killing stopped. And he goes and tracks down people who were abused. And one of them says, yeah, he forced us to clean in a tub. And that seems to sure fit with the Oakland County child killer M.O. One thought that they would be suffocated by Lamborghini. And that fits with the M.O. because all of the children were killed by strangulation, of course, besides one who was shot in the face However, we think uh, there's a theory that they were strangled before being shot in the face. The killer panicked and didn't think that they got the job done. So that fits as well. Now, this is a promising lead, and they've got Lamborghini, and they've got his DNA. 
And look, the police, quite frankly, lied about the condition of the bodies back in the 70s. But Williams, look, he's letting bygones be bygones here. There's DNA evidence. There's a pubic hair found on Tim King's body, and he wants to test this DNA evidence. So you're thinking, this is a hot lead. Lamborghini's the guy. Let's get that DNA tested. And the Michigan State Police take over a year to test the DNA. Now, it appears the statute of limitations has expired on Ted's crimes that he committed that they can prove. They can't prove the Oakland County child killings. So he goes home, and he's allowed to go home because they can't charge him, and police are putting surveillance on this guy 24-7 pretty much. They are trying to do whatever they can to see if he slips up to see if they can pin him for this. He doesn't slip up, and they're trying everything to get him to sort of confess or come forward or feel guilty. They even go to his pastor at his church, and I don't really like the ethical implications here, but they convince him to kind of give a sermon on, uh, you know, things that might make Ted confess. They ask him to uh, give a sermon on, like, the conscious and good conscience and those sorts of things. Forgiveness. Sermons on forgiveness. Ted doesn't take the bait. They even try using the media. Michigan State Police and Williams let it leak that Lamborghini failed a polygraph test and the media eat this up in a firestorm. I remember seeing a news clip of this. They get Lamborghini, they're like following him as he walks to work at the Ford plant and they're asking him questions like as he's walking from his car into the plant. They're just trying to get Lamborghini to crack. But Corey Williams finds a loophole that since Ted left Michigan in 1978, the statute of limitations didn't expire. They can charge Ted for all those child terrible things sex crimes that he committed they can charge him and they do they bring him in and they charge him with eight counts of child molestation for all the good police work that there's been in this case here's some of the bad lieutenant gray of the michigan state police kind of takes over this he doesn't really know a lot about ted lamborghini williams has been running point williams has been the guy but gray takes over the case and tries to kind of do some stuff coax a confession out uh, with a guy he has no rapport with and just kind of like a turf war. We're getting into a turf war here. Who wants to take credit? Who wants to be the one who found the Oakland County child killer? Instead of, who can do this job most effectively to get this information out? We're talking about turf wars that will only get worse because Livonia only has jurisdiction in the Oakland County child killer case because Tim King's body was found and the Wayne County Prosecutor's Office likewise. So we're talking about who wants to take credit for this thing instead of who can do the best job, and it leads to the downfall here of getting really any information out of Ted Lamborghini. Williams says it's, quote, a virtual shit show. Now, I don't know that Corey Williams would have been able to get anything out of Lamborghini. Gray got nothing out of him, so maybe it was worth a shot. But this is just something, a teaser of what's yet to come in the Oakland County child killer case. Police not sharing things, police turf war, instead of just putting people who are effective together to get this thing done. Police and prosecutors are desperate for answers in the Oakland County child killer case. And the lengths that they go is kind of crazy uh, to get information out of Ted Lamborghini. Quote from the snow killings, quote, The warrant for Lamborghini included three felony counts of child molestation punishable by life in prison and 11 felony counts of child molestation with sentences of 10 to 15 years for each one. So you're talking about multiple, uh, you know, lifetimes in prison here for Lamborghini. But then I'll, I'll move on here. As part of this agreement, this cooperation agreement that they obtained from the U.S. attorney, if Lamborghini would provide truthful and complete information to the investigators about his and or others' involvement in the Oakland County child killings case, 
he would be confined in a federal institution instead of a state prison, which I guess is better. I don't know. Wayne County prosecutor Kim Worthy authorized Williams and Moran, another investigator, to offer Lambergine as few as 10 years, even if he was the killer. Lambergine would also be sponsored by the FBI into the Federal Witness Protection Program. He could receive a new name and be known in prison as anything but a child molester if he so chose. So, you know, there's always those jokes out there, end quote there, I guess. But there's there's always those jokes out there about, hey, you know, child rapist, child, you know, don't drop the soap, you get what you deserve in prison. And they are just rolling out the red carpet for Ted Lambergine. If you tell us what we want to know, Man, we'll give you a different name. You can go to a federal prison uh, for, you know, pretty much nothing. We'll say you did check fraud, which, you know, isn't, isn't you know, in terms of crimes that high up in the world, right? In terms of, you know, abhorrence. So they're rolling out the red carpet for this guy. You're talking about as few as 10 years total for all the crimes he committed. That's got to be an easy, easy take, right? Oh, I can serve multiple life sentences, essentially, or I can get out of prison in 10 years and not be known as a child rapist. But for some reason, Ted Lambergine turns everything down, pleads guilty to all charges, goes mum, and is sentenced to prison for the rest of his life. Instead of taking the plea deal, that would have made him a free man. Of course, they can't pin the killings on Lambergine. The DNA doesn't match, so they really don't have anything concretely tying him to these killings. Really just kind of his own words implicating himself in some way. But it seems like maybe Ted Lambergine wasn't the killer. The DNA comes back negative. But he won't talk about the case. So it seems clear also that Ted Lambergine certainly knows who the Oakland County child killer actually was. But he's not saying. Even in prison, he's not saying. So why is that? Who is the Oakland County child killer? And why is Ted Lambergine so scared of talking? How high up does this go? So look, things are disappointing here. That Nordberg lead, it didn't pan out. And Lambergine, I would say that it did pan out to an extent. They thought they had the Oakland County child killer. It seems like they just put themselves much closer to the Oakland County child killer. There's, you know, we know who Ted Lambergine operated with. We know those kinds of people. Maybe we can investigate those people more. Lambergine probably knows, I would say definitely in my, this podcaster's opinion, definitely knows who did the Oakland County child killings without a doubt. So this is the best lead in years. It's better than the Norberg lead. And you would think that Williams is going to be up for some major kudos here because he advanced this case further than it had been advanced really since the 70s. Well, we heard from Police Sergeant Gary Gray earlier. And, uh, you know, I, I told you I'd tell you about some bad police work. This is bad police work. Gary Gray takes such exception with Williams the way that he handled the case and the fact that he recommended the Ohio detectives who did surveillance on Lambergine for awards, he takes such exception that a formal complaint is lodged against Williams, even though the Detroit FBI office, the Livonia police chief, Robert Robertson, or I'm sorry, Robert Stevenson, and the Wayne County prosecutor, even though they all back Williams in this complaint, Gray complains to his superior and Livonia police was removed from the Oakland County Child Killer Task Force. Absolutely, I mean, unconscionable. This is the guy who advanced the case further than it had been advanced in years and years, 
He's been a major asset to the Oakland County Child Killer Task Force since it was reformed in 2005, and this is the reward he gets? He gets kicked off the case? That's what we get here? It seems, though, that we're kind of at the end of things here. Ted Lambergine, that was the best lead in years. He wasn't the guy. So, look, is this case cold again? Is there nothing to be said here again? It certainly seems so. We're kind of out of suspects, out of evidence again. Until a one-in-a-million conversation leads us to who I think is the Oakland County child killer. Last episode, I teased from J. Ruben Appleman a clip from him saying, hey, you know, you can look into this case. People kind of know what's going on here. You, you, you talk about this, and no one refutes you, and they can't refute you because it's all there. Well, that's what we've got next week because a one-in-a-million conversation at a polygrapher conference in Las Vegas by chance sets up what I think is the real Oakland County child killer. To some, the evidence is obvious. I think that these leads should have been pursued way more doggedly than they were. But why weren't they? What did they miss? And is something more nefarious afoot here? Right, it was said that he passed. That's correct. But but, but when, you look, when you look back, you can see that um, somebody was on the take for that shit, man. There was somebody was, somebody got paid off or got pressured to look the other way. He said it was the mathematical equivalent of divine intervention. Family was very powerful, so I think that there were, there was pressure being applied to not pursue as a suspect. The Forever Children of Oakland County is a podcast produced, written, and done entirely by me, Eddie White, out of a burning desire to see these cases solved and a love for my community. This was not free to make, and if you want to support the show, you can do so at anchor.fm slash eddie-white4 slash support. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M slash E-D-D-I-E dash W-H-I-T-E 4 slash support.